as they're taking up the offering, um, um, before we get into the word, I just want to share, as Tom's been uh, sharing on spiritual warfare and really helping us to identify the areas of our life uh, that the enemy is attacking or the enemy comes against us. Has anybody been enjoying those words? Has it helped you to identify what you need to work on in your life? Amen. Well, I see the, a lot of freedom that, that God is bringing us, and today um, we're going to have Mike Brown share a word, uh, a message from that all that theme that has been going on. And we're doing this on purpose because as we're getting free and as God's setting us free, uh, it really is important that we begin to identify the area that God is wanting to identify in our hearts and getting us free. And Mike is, has identified an area in his own life that God, through these messages, is helping him. And we really hope this helps you to apply the Word of God to your life so that you begin to do the same thing as you're mining truth, as you're getting free, as you're seeking God in the area of your life that he's wanting to deal with you. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, don't we? Hello? Does anybody have issues? Is there anyone perfect in the house? Only my wife. She is the only perfect one. About as close as you get. But I'm a little partial. But Mike's going to share today on an area of his life and what God's been dealing with him. And I hope it helps you to begin to apply the word of God that, that Tom's been preaching. He's going to apply it to his life. And I pray it blesses you. As he comes up and prepares, we can go ahead and release Flip 180. If you have a 5th through 8th grader, you can release them to their class. And you guys ready for the Word of God? Amen. Father, bless Mike. Amen. Amen. Check, check. There we go. Man, that was awesome. You can clap again if you'd like. <laughs> that will actually play into my message. <laughs> Funny. We're going to, uh, let me get this down here. We're going to take just a couple minutes here first. And we're going to be quiet before the Lord. I am uh, reading a couple books at the moment. I love to read. How many are still reading? How many love to read? How many are just telling yourself that I love to read so you can hopefully start reading and be the, what we're supposed to be? Yes, it does start there. And my kids are really helping me with this because there is a love for reading that my children have. So my kids get up and they sit on my lap, at least Isaac and add in, they want to read. So anyway, in this book that I'm reading, <clears throat> and the evangelism team is reading, talks about the presence. So my prayer today is that as, as I preach, as I teach, that as we continue to be aware of the presence of the Lord, that we enjoy the presence, that we allow anointing to flow, that you just don't hear some information, but that it actually becomes from the word, it becomes life-giving, so we can all apply it. Now, by no means do I have it all figured out. Thank you for laughing, Eric. I don't have it all figured out. Now, where we also have to start to step into is a boldness to where we can say, each of us individually, I don't have it all figured out, but we are starting to walk in a little bit of something to where you can use wisdom of others and not have to learn the hard way. How many of you have said, I guess I just have to learn the hard way? Anybody said that? Do you realize that that is not a godly belief? That the word says that there's a wisdom in the, count, in the multitude of counselors. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. So there's many of us in here that have made many mistakes. And that as we learn to get through those mistakes and we learn to grow and we figure out how to apply the word to them, that we can start to walk in some more freedom and you can learn from that. You don't have to learn the hard way. But it takes the presence of the Lord. So more than anything, that's what we need to feel and be aware of. So just take a couple minutes. You can, uh, I'm just going to sit down here. Stick your hands out if you want. Feel like you need to lay in the floor. You can do whatever. But let's just enjoy the presence and be okay with a little quietness.
Father, I just thank you for an increased awareness of your presence. Jesus, thank you for an increase in the awareness of your presence. Jesus, you were the world's best teacher and best preacher. So help me as I share this message. Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch all of us that our ears would be open, our, our hearts would be fertile ground, and that these seeds would just take root into the, the ground of our, in the fertile ground of our hearts, and that it would start to produce some life and it would start to produce fruit. I ask you that when they hear my words and that they see me, Lord, that it is you that they see and that it is you that they hear. And that your power and anointing fall. And where conviction needs to fall and set in on all of our lives, let it come. Amen. Did you guys feel the longer that it was quiet, that there was some tenseness that entered the room? That it became uncomfortable? That it was, oh, all right, we'll be quiet just for a minute. And like eight seconds, you can feel the tenseness and the awkwardness that, that comes in because we want to stay busy. We don't even do a lot of this quiet time stuff in our own home where we do it for, you know, a minute or two or five. Now, that's a good place to start, but as we continue to grow, we need to take more time. And sometimes, for myself, that means that I have to get up earlier, or that means I have to quiet my day somewhere and I have to pull over and stop in a parking lot and hang out in the truck for a while to be with the Lord. We have to stop. In our worship declaration that we say before we start worship practice, there's a part that says, my time in the secret place determines the depth we go into public space. Is that right, Tom? I think that's what it says. Yes. So maybe you should write that down. If you're taking notes, write down. My time in the secret place determines the depth we go in the public space. So, here we go. Obviously, I can tell by talking to some of you, you've enjoyed Tom's messages, have you not? Been really good. Been some really great information, too, to get us going in the right direction. A lot of supernatural stuff, because we are a culture that longs for the supernatural, correct? I mean, look at your TV, we have Walking Dead. We have all the Harry Potter movies. We have, what else we got? The Twilight series. We, we have Supernatural. Uh, what else we got? Throw out a couple more. Come on, I know some of you watch them. Limitless, yep. So they're out there, but it's the other side. It's the dark side, as Tom has been talking about. But see, all things were created by him for him. Correct? So it's Tom, I have, uh, I've definitely enjoyed this. Now, I'm going to try the best that I can to stick to my notes, along with partnering with the Holy Spirit and watching the time so we can all get out because there's a checkout point that most of you, most of us have about 1210, 1215. It's, it starts to hurry up. Now, I also could read some of your minds when you woke up and or you heard that I was coming up here. You're like, oh, man. Mike is long-winded. So, Lynn, if you're watching this or listening to this, thank you. I am long-winded. It does come from you. But I'm going to use my equipping that Tom and Eric has given me. All right? And I Do what? You just love my pants? Thank you. Hey, do you guys know I've worn these before? Do you know what orange means? Huh? Go, go Vols? Well, yeah, Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee fan. What did you say? Go Hope. Go Hope. These are my hope pants, huh? Go Love. Go Ravens. <laughs> anyway, all right. Orange means that you are not afraid of intimacy. All right? It's boldness. It means I am not afraid. So see, I am not afraid to be intimate with the Lord, which is where we need to be. All right? And we're going to touch on some of that. All right. So here we go. I have noticed in my own life, okay, so this started with... Um, I've been doing walking through this specific area for, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months. 
And as I start to reflect, it's really been a problem my whole life. And a lot of us deal with it. So what we're going to hit on today is selfishness. How many of you believe that we are very selfish individuals? Okay. Now, how many of you would be willing to stand up and say that I am selfish? See, there we go. Some of you. That's good. Now, see, that's where it starts. That is a very hard problem to, is to actually start with that. So here we have a problem in the Church of America. We have a very selfish culture. Okay? We are an entitled culture and we are a greedy culture. Would you agree with that? All right. How many times a day do you say, I want, I need, or what about me? And if you don't speak it, a lot of times we think it. Now, how, how I'm going to go about sharing this is as I go through my notes, we're going to do a little backtracking with Tom. I'm going to give you some scripture. We're going to, you don't have to turn in your Bible to all of them. You can write them down because they'll be up here. But I want to encourage you that over this next week that you really start to study these scriptures. You will have homework at the end. We'll show you a visual aid. And then I'm going to share a couple, three examples in my own life. Now, I believe that makes for some good preaching, not just the information from the Word, but your own experience, because then you can see how we're applying it to our own life, and then you can as well, all right? So, even on this journey of writing this message, this has probably been the hardest one that I've tried to put together. Now, even with meeting with Tom and Eric, there were some things that were in this message that man, I thought, this is good stuff. Hello? Hey, I'll talk to him if you want. No, I'm just kidding. I thought it was some really good stuff, and I thought, man, this point really needs to be made. And the selfish part of me said, I need to make sure that this gets said. But the unselfish part of me, the one that is, that is okay with being equipped... And part of even being equipped to actually preach a message is running it through uh, several other people so we can look at the details and we can see blind spots that we have. So there was an area that I really wanted to hit, selfish me. Thank you, Tom and Eric, for helping me realize it doesn't really need to be hit that way. So I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction with that part. Now let me explain. Tom talked about demons, and he talked about angels, and he talked about Satan. Now, he also talked about a dream that he had. Did anybody remember the dream that he had? Okay. What was the dream? Not the last one that he shared two weeks ago. What was the dream? Nope. Yes, what was it, Karen? He was at a mall, and he came upon these kids that were fighting, and they were young, and there was no parents around, and so he was very upset because there was no parents, and he gathered the children up, or no, he uh, asked where their parents were, and separated them, and went to this back room, and there was a mother back there, um, and he'd taken one of the children, and she was smoking a cigarette, and um, she, well, yeah, she got up from the table, and was smoking the cigarette and then offered it to the, the child. Wow. She listens. She does. She listens, Tom. And as he went to go on, as he ended the dream, he really talked about how the Lord was showing him that these, these children, this children, the children that he seen in the mall had no fathers or mothers. And now how we, as a church, and as the body of Christ, we really need to start fathering and mothering people. Now, if you've been at this church at any given amount of time, at least a year, the reality is there's been enough stuff taught. You've had enough classes. You've been around enough people that there should be a maturity level within you to be able to start fathering and mothering somebody else. Would you agree? If you, if you chose to father and mother, all right? Now, it's time consuming and it's hard. But see, our culture Sorry. Our culture states that it's got to be about me. I need, I want, I desire, I don't have time because I have to work extra hours. I got to pay for my uh, more expensive car payment. I've got to pay for my nicer house. 
I have to have nicer clothes. I, 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 me, me, me. Or if you're a parent, some of us say, my kids need the nicer clothes. My kids need the brand new shoes. My kids need these things. And it, even in that, as parenting, it becomes selfish because we don't want our kid to be the one that gets made fun of because he don't have or she don't have the best of the best. Okay? So we are selfish. We have a, we have a American Christian culture that is becoming very selfish, that is becoming very entitled. Now, the, now, we can also talk a little bit about this. They did a study, and they, I don't remember how many thousands because I didn't write it down. I just read it, and then I remembered it. But over people who made $20,000 or less, give 85% more than those who make over $20,000. Now, I don't know how they figured that out. I didn't go deep enough into study. But just let that sink in. People who make $20,000 or less, people who have less to give, give more than those who make over $20,000. Now, I know there's exceptions to the rule. There's people in this room who make more than that who, who give. But we're going to even start to talk on that just a little bit. Our church mission statement has a phrase in it that says to serve sacrificially. Now that can be in time, money, stuff, basically giving something to a cause or an effort. That's what serving sacrificially does. At least that's my version as I've read and studied of things. Why are we not doing certain things? Why are we not fathering and mothering? Why are we not, and I don't want to, well, maybe I will make a little bit of you mad, but why are we not tithing the way that we should? Why are we not giving our time to children's ministry? the way that we should? Why are we not giving time to our own kids the way that we should? Why are we trying to build our own kingdoms instead of building God's kingdom? It's because we were selfish. Now, my prayer even in this as I've prayed all week is that you guys, when you share a message like this, it can come across, um, what's the word, Ashley? Because we've talked about this a few times. Arrogant. Arrogant. Thank you. And my prayer is not that it comes across arrogant. And that it comes across as a know-it-all. But that we really have to get ourselves to a point if we want our families to be where they need to be. If we want our church to be where it needs to be. If we want our community to get to where it's supposed to be. And we want to see our nation get back to where it's supposed to be. We really have to get over being selfish. Would you agree? Okay. So, fear tells us there isn't enough, which causes us to get or turn selfish, greedy, or become entitled. Everybody ever felt like that? Well, there just ain't enough. I need to get my share. What about this Thanksgiving while we were eating? How many, how many of you said, hey, are you going to eat that last piece of pie? Because it's really, really good. <laughs> or, um, can I take that home? <laughs> Anybody said that? Apple pie, whatever, turkey. Or how many of you had the thought throughout the week? I'm going to eat a little less this week because I can't wait to stuff my face on Thursday. <laughs> Anybody say that? Yeah. Now, but how many of us at those times thought of the people who had nothing to eat? How many of us thought of the, the women whose husbands have died and they have nobody? And they have no family to go to. What about the men who have no husbands who have no family to go to? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I was making sure you were listening. These are the things we have to get past. Because the word says we got to take into captivity every thought that comes in. Correct? So we have to start thinking outside of ourselves. Right, let me give you a few signs of uh, selfishness. Okay? They can be come through as false compassion. Selfishness comes across as lack of responsibility, not wanting responsibility, but wanting the benefits that comes with having responsibility. Lust for material things, sexual lust and sin, self-promotion, attention getting. This is a big one. Controlling others. Okay, now this is, this is where I'm, I'm changing a little bit of my notes and I'm, I'm going to take some of Tom's 
wonderful words that I'm sure at a later time he's going to be preaching on. So you're going to get a little snippet of this. But this is a spiritual and a natural battle. Agreed? Thomas spent a lot of time teaching us on the spiritual aspect of the battle that we fight. Correct? So one of the things that we fight in the spirit is selfishness. But it's a twofold battle. It is natural and it is spiritual. This is a lot harder to follow my notes than what I thought it was going to be. So if it is both spiritual and natural, what does that look like? Picture a road, and there's two ditches on each side of the road. On one side is the spiritual aspect of our fight, of our daily warfare, where we say, the devil made me do it. Okay? Or the enemy's coming against me. Or demon possession. Demon oppression. Okay? Now what we've done is, is, is we've had our car almost all the way over in that ditch driving down the road. Now what we're doing is we got to slide that car back over to where we're riding in the middle of the lane. To where we're not over in the side that, that is, is nothing. It has nothing to do with spiritual. It's all me. We've went over to this side to where now we're, we're getting all the information and the teachings that we need on demons and angels and the spiritual side. But now we got to get it back over here in the middle. There is a spiritual and a natural battle to this. Now, I've been freed from many things been freed from selfishness as you're going to get ready to hear about but we all live and we think we have this thought of when the word says who the son is set free is free indeed do you agree the word says that that's in there and we believe that okay so i am free because he freed me correct okay so what about when i come out of jail and i get freed and i come out did the jailer, did the judge, did whatever, did they set me free? Yeah, they did. They let me out. Okay. They let me out. I'm free. They set me free. I am free. However, I have a responsibility not to do the things that I did so I don't go back to jail. Agreed. So it works the same way in the spirit. When you get freed from demon, demon oppression, demon possession, whatever it is that you get freed from, all that bondage, you still have a responsibility when you come out of that to stay there. Okay? We have to work at it. God will always do his part. We just have to do our part. Agreed? We're going to get to some scripture on that. So we have to retrain our minds to think and realize I still play a part. Now, I looked for this scripture and I couldn't find it, but it's in Hebrews somewhere. And Paul is addressing the Hebrews and he tells them, do not go back into captivity like your ancestors did, like the children of Israel did. He was not doing this and talking in a natural sense. He was talking in a spiritual sense. He was telling them, as I have freed you, don't go back and do the things you did so you get bound back up again. The word also says, as Tom taught on, that when a demon leaves or you're freed from something, he goes and gets seven of his buddies and he comes back. Now, how many of you have been freed from something or battled something and thought three months later, why am I dealing with this again? This is so much harder to get over. You guys said that? Has the thought ever entered your mind that because you were freed, that quite possibly the Bible is doing what it says it would do, that the enemy's going to get seven of his buddies and he's bringing them back and he's making it harder on you? But there's also probably a part that you've even played as well. So Tom also said in this that demons, I found this interesting. Demons talk in first person. Did I write that down correct, Tom? And I wrote down this. I this, I that, I want. Okay? So you can, that's the spiritual side of the aspect of selfishness. So what does the word say about selfishness or greed? So what I did was I went back to the Old Testament and I started with covetousness. Let's go to Exodus 20, verse 17, please. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now... What does it mean to lust? Let's see. What does it mean to covet? 
Here's what covet means. To lust for or to long for with great desire. Desiring wrongfully. This was really good. Desiring wrongfully without the regard for the rights of others. All right. Now, I find it interesting, you can leave it up here, that as, as he talks about covenantists, he's talking about natural things. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Then he starts talking about, because that's his stuff that he has. Now we're getting into some sexual sin. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. So he's addressing another issue. And then, or his male or female servants, ox or donkey. That could be and have stuff to do with what he works with. So covenants, when he's writing this, he's actually hitting three areas of his life that we really shouldn't go into and try to covet for other people. You want something without the regard of the person who has it. So this might be the commandment that is most frequently broken. Would you agree with that? Now, I find it interesting, too, that as you read through that and you read all the commandments, this is the one at the bottom. And what the Lord showed me was this was at the bottom because it's quite possibly the root of all the other nine that go up above it. See, this is a heart issue. Selfishness, covetousness is a heart issue. To look at me, most of you would probably think Mike isn't selfish. We'll get to this story that I had with my wife and my daughter about this. Well, Mike's not selfish. Well, you can't really see too much of it on the outside. It's a heart issue. And then it starts to come and be noticeable in the things and the stuff that I do. So by coveting your neighbor's wife, you're lusting after her and committing adultery in your own hearts. Matthew 5, 28 talks about that. We also covet what other people have, like their house or their car, ox or donkey, their employees or housemaids or their servants, or anything that a neighbor has. Now here is what I want you to write down as well. If you'll take notes, not to make you, but I think this is good. When we think of our neighbor and we read this, you think of the person right next door. That's what I would think. All right, in my neighborhood, the person that lives next to me, I shouldn't covet. But what if you live in a neighborhood where you have the best of the best and everybody else's stuff is not as nice as yours? Then you could think, well, hmm, that don't apply to me. Well, here's what it means by neighbor. Here's what the word is actually saying. Our neighbor doesn't mean the person living next door. It means anyone that has more than we do. When we covet, we are telling God that we are not satisfied with what we have. Now, if we truly believe that everything we had comes from God, when we're acting selfish, we're telling him that I am not content with what you've allowed me to have. You see, selfishness leads to uncontentment, which is a really big problem. I'm going to read some more stuff. Are you guys still tracking with me? Are we still awake? Yes, I can see that most of you are. Okay, so today we use selfish. We don't use the word covet. Here's what the word says about selfishness. Selfishness is the attitude of being concerned with one's own interest above the interest of others. The Bible says to do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility and the mind of mind, regard for one another as in more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest but also for the interest of others. That's in Philippians 2 through 5. You can throw that up there for a minute if you want to. I'm going to uh, read some verses through here as uh, they throw them up here. Can you get, um, did you just do Philippians 2, 2 through 5? Awesome. Let's read it again. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent, on one purpose next. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another is more important than yourself. Is there another one on there? Yeah. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of other people. Okay, let's go to uh, Galatians 5.20. Adultery, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. Go to 21 as well. These are all works of the flesh. Well, you didn't get it. That's, off. That's all right. It goes down below there, and it says that those are works of the flesh. That was the point I tried to point out earlier. It is a spiritual battle, and it is a fleshly battle. 
Okay, after we get past the part of Satan, get behind me, or demons, get away, or selfish demon, get out. And we'll get to a verse that talks about how selfishness actually brings in demonic activity. You get past that, there's still the fleshly part. And I love how Tom put it the other day when I was talking to him. He said, you can't say, flesh, get out of me in the name of Jesus. <laughs> it don't work. The word says, I die daily. That means I have to crucify myself. I have to bring my thoughts into catapult. Bring my thoughts into captivity, and I have to think about the thoughts of others. I have to think about other people and not be selfish because my flesh, it's ingrained. Correct? It's ingrained in me. All right? It will not leave. The spiritual part will, the spiritual battle, but you always have the natural battle. And there are days when I do better than some, some I don't do so good. But again, it's works of the flesh. It's in the Word. Let's go to uh, James 3.16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So we don't think about that, do we? We think about selfish and our kids and they pout and they throw fits or our teenage daughter wants to go do something with her boyfriend or whatever it is. And we're like, no, you can't. You're being selfish. You should spend time with your family. You ever had that conversation? <laughs> I wasn't. That was just using you as an example. Sorry, Rebecca. But anyway, you're going to have these discussions. You've had that. I can tell by the way you're laughing. You know, you should, you know, the wrong child. Okay. Probably Joel then. I don't know if it was or not. Was it you, Joel? <laughs> just kidding. Anyway. Oh, it was your wife. <laughs> All right. So we talk about selfishness, but we've just kind of looked over it like it's just this everything nonchalant. He's just selfish. Let's get over it. But here we see in the world or in the word where there's jealousy and there's selfish ambition. There's disorder and evil of every kind. See, now we're getting into we're acting in the flesh. We're doing things in the flesh. We're opening a door. Now the spirit world's creeping back in. Let's go to um, Psalms seventy-eight, eighteen. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods that they craved. Now here he's talking about the children of Israel. Selfishness caused the children of Israel to willfully put God to the test by demanding what they wanted. Have you ever willfully put God to the test? Because of something you wanted. See, again, it's a heart matter. It's like, God, dang it, you said, make it happen. This is what I want. You're my dad, now do it. That's what your heart says. That's what it looks like. Now, you might not put it that way. You might sugarcoat it a little bit more, but it's the same thing. It's like my daughter, 10, and my son, 6. Well, Dad, you said, okay, let's do it. Well, okay, then we get into, well, now you're wanting it because you're being selfish. It doesn't have anything to do with, let's do it together because you're my dad and you made a promise to me. It's, I want you to deliver. Let's go to Matthew 19, uh, 21 through 22. This is where it talks about the, the young, rich ruler. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. Verse 22. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Every one of us in here, God has asked us to do something. Over and over, many times. And many times, we've said no. Or many times, we've not wanted to because... Well, what about me? How am I going to, you know, buy that car I want? How am I going to buy those new shoes? How am I going to buy that new video game? I really want that pair of boots. I really look good in that dress. You know, I want to spend time with my family. I don't want to go see someone in the hospital. I want to spend time and watch my favorite shows because I deserve some downtime. I deserve some me time. 
Do you know one of the greatest slogans that was ever out there that made a company the most money ever? McDonald's. No. No. You deserve a break. Made billions of dollars, at least from what I studied and seen. They said that that is the slogan that made them the most money. You deserve a break. Take a break. Come get a Big Mac. Don't worry about your light bill. Okay? So anyway, he's talking about the selfish young ruler. Selfishness. All right, I will hear in a minute, Lord. Selfishness ruins friendships. Proverbs 18.1. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Let's go to James 4.3. Selfishness hinders prayers. And even when you ask, don't, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. How many of you have said, man, I asked God for something and I just didn't get it and he didn't answer? What if your answer was no? Because you only wanted it because for you anyway. You wasn't going to do anything with it to help anyone else. I've had that happen. Let's read James 3, 13 through 16. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Next verse. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Next. But if you are bitterly jealous. Okay. Next one. Did we skip one? No. What is? Okay. That's okay. You're not fired, Jesse. But if you're a billary jealous and there's selfish ambition. Okay, what's the next one? Verse 16. Don't make me get selfish. That's all right. I'll open my Bible. So I can read it. There we go. Yeah. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is. What happened there? Am I reading that wrong? Turn in your Bibles to James 3. <clears throat> 13 through 16. And I'll just read it out of mine. If you are wise and understand God's ways, live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, you will truly be wise. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. That is the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the day of devil. And that's where in other versions it says demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now I got down here too. Selfishness is a lack of love and consideration for the needs of others. And selfishness produces uncontentment. So let's read 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. I don't think I gave that one to you, Jesse. I did? Awesome. I'm just going to read it from up there because I can't find Timothy in my Bible for some reason. <laughs> go ahead. The preacher can't find 1 Timothy in his Bible. All right, go back to verse 6, please. It's before 2nd, yes. <laughs> Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we take we can't take anything with us when we leave it. 
So if we have enough food or clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Did you get all those scriptures down? Do you want me to read them? I mean, not read them, but tell you the addresses one more time. I think I'll do that anyway. Philippians 2, verses 2 through 5. Galatians 5, verse 20. James 3, verse 16. Psalms 78, 18. Matthew 19, 21 and 22. Proverbs 18 and 1. James 4 and 3, and James 3, 13 through 16. And then again, one of Tom's that he shared, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Okay. How has this affected me? What is my story? What is the testimony behind this? Um, several months ago, I began to realize in some discussions with my wife, discussions with other people, discussions with the Lord, as I would sit in my quiet time, I realized how selfish I had become. Now, in one of these arguments um, with my wife, she tells me, Mike, your problem is that you have always gotten everything that you wanted. That's not exactly what she said, and she'll tell you that. That is what I heard. Remember, Pink, pink and blue. Okay, she said something different, but what I heard that still sits and rings in my mind is the fact that she said, Mike, you've always gotten everything you've always wanted. And she's right. Now, even though the way that I grew up, when I seen that I wanted something and I realized that my parents didn't have the money, I made a way to make it happen. Shoes, clothes, I didn't want to be made fun of. I wanted to be the cool kid. I wanted to fit in. Did it with girls. I wanted what I wanted, when I wanted, and, what I, and when I said. And I could make all that happen. There's people in here who can make things happen. And I never address this issue. Because we don't see that as being selfish to a degree. What we see and what the word, this word that has been used several times is, man, Mike is just ambitious. Sarah is just ambitious. Jeff is just ambitious. Yes, he's hardworking. He's a go-getter. He wants to provide for his family. He wants to do this. That's why it's a hard issue. It doesn't look selfish on the outside, but the root that's on the inside is selfish because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted to make me feel good about me. Does that make sense? So we have this conversation and we're talking. And then, um, like, I don't know, a few days later, we're sitting at the kitchen table and we're eating, do, trying to do our family thing. And I'm talking again about this issue of being selfish. And, and my daughter hears this, my three-year-old girl, and she laughs. Ha, 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 yeah. Daddy's greedy. She don't know that word. So Ashley, quick to, you know, back up her husband and protect him to our three-year-old daughter who looks like she's being a bully at this point, <laughs> goes, oh, no, no, your daddy, he gives to people and he loves and he gives time and, you know, we give to the church and we do this. And she laughs again. No, <laughs> no, daddy's greedy. And laughs. And I have to sit there and take this in. I have a choice because I have reached a crossroad with the three year old girl that God is talking to, to talk to my heart, to tell me that Mike Brown is greedy, that Mike Brown is selfish. So then you have to sit back and look and think. And then God starts to unravel all this stuff of why you did certain things really had nothing to do with wanting to give and do to others, but really had everything to do with building your own kingdom. 
because you wanted people to see you. Even though your prayer is, God, let them see you. And all they were seeing was me. And whether anybody else seen that or not, my three-year-old girl seen that daddy's greedy. So here's what we have in America. Um, Joel, can I use you and your girlfriend? Come up here. I need your girlfriend too. So, okay. I want, I want you to go back to the back, please. Do you feel comfortable with Eric? Eric, I want you to go to the back too, please. Just kind of get right there in the middle with her. I'm kind of doing this one on the fly. I'm not... Do, Awesome. That's okay. That's all right. It's a gift. It is. That was funny. That was good. So, you remember what I said that selfishness builds uncontentment? Here's the problem in America. Here's the problem with me, with us, and our church. It, some psychology people will call it the vanilla cone syndrome. Okay? Vanilla cone syndrome is I take my kid to Weenie World, and he gets a vanilla ice cream cone. Oh, I love this, Daddy. This is great. Thank you. Till he passes the other kid who's got sprinkles. Daddy, I want that. Well, no, son, I got you this. This is what I gave to you. Well, I don't want it, Daddy. His is prettier. His has got sprinkles. Or he's got strawberries on it. Or, well, he's got a waffle cone, and I just got this other little basic cone. See, at young ages, they're becoming uncontent. And here's what we're breeding. Go ahead, Eric. Walk her down like she's your daughter. We, I'm serious. I know. But watch, this is, this is what we're doing. We, listen, listen. We are raising young men who are uncontent. And as parents, we're giving our uncontent children, we're giving our uncontent daughters to uncontent men and vice versa. So when they walk up here, go ahead, come on, walk it out. <laughs> so what happens? We're giving our daughters away to men who cannot be content with the gift that God has given them. And our wives cannot be content with the gift that they're receiving. And we have created a culture that is falling apart, that is a mess. And we're too lazy and we're too selfish. <laughs> to do anything about it because we want what we want when we want it when we feel like we need it and our marriages are falling apart our children are falling apart and are going to hell and our city is falling apart and it's becoming a mess and whose fault is it it is our fault. It is my fault. Because I don't want to give a greedy daughter to a greedy kid, another greedy man. And I will not give my greedy son to a greedy daughter. You can go sit down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love you. Thanks. Because our men, our men, after three babies, or in this church five, <laughs> after five, I didn't know this is exactly where it was going, but we're going to go with it. Because our men, after women who have five babies and stuff is not where it used to be, 
And it's all stretched out and it's all different. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. She's still got. Now look, I'm getting to that. I'm, I'm getting to that. Yes, bring every thought into captivity till 2.30. <laughs> anyway, nobody got that joke, did they? Come on, man. I'm married and we can celebrate that. But let's get serious, okay? Here's what happens. When stuff is all moved around, our men, because they are selfish and they are uncontent, look at, the, at what God has given them and they say, I deserve better or I deserve more. Or our culture said, well, look at her. She's... 20-something and had four plastic surgeries. And look at that. That is what you deserve. The enemy sneaks in and is telling our men that. So our men are leaving our, our wives and their children and they're going after their own selfish lust, their selfish desires, their selfish ambition, their jobs, given all kinds of hours and time to their job because they, we, I need to build my kingdom. And we look at it and think, well... But I'm using it and I'm tithing it to the church and, and I support four missionaries and, and I got three kids in Africa and it doesn't matter because you're not content. And if you can't be content with what you have, with the vanilla ice cream cone that God has given you, you will not be content with the chocolate one or the one with the sprinkles or the banana split. You won't be content with any of that. And that's the problem. But yet we look at selfish and just say, oh, he's selfish. We spank him on the butt. Don't be selfish, son. That's not the way to be. You don't deserve everything you need. And we go on again because we're being selfish and we don't want to take the time to teach our children, look, be content. Be happy with what you have. Love who you got. Love your mom and dad. Love your, whenever you get married, love your wife. Be content. So you can go all the way back to, I mean, all this, the RTF stuff, it's great. Sign up, all the inner healing, the Theo, the, the Sozo, all that stuff, great. But go to the root. And the root is the covetousness, is the selfishness that is dug deep in and is growing a tree. That's why it's at the bottom. That's why covetousness was at the bottom. Because what covetousness and selfishness, what does it produce? It creates lust in your heart. So you want, don't commit adultery. Well, that's getting somebody else's wife or husband. Don't murder. Hmm. He's got it better than I do. I want what he's got, so I'm going to, don't steal. Don't have no other God before me. That's the one at the very top. Well, shoot, when you're doing all these jobs and you're looking for the right women and all the stuff you need to do, now who's your God? Yeah, exactly. So he, it, it's kind of tricky if you don't take time to study and read all that and you look at it and it gets down to the bottom and you're like, well, that doesn't seem near as bad as cheating on my wife or, 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 or not... Uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy. Well, we don't do that because we're selfish because we need another day to make a little extra money. See, it's the root. It's at the bottom. All of those issues stem from that one that's taken root deep in. And you don't, do you ever see the roots? Who was it? Somebody got up here a couple weeks ago and said something about tending to our gardens and you just can't cut the weeds off because they grow again. You got to go in and dig the root out. Get it out. Tend to your garden. Who wants to give their, their uncontent daughter or son to another son or daughter that's uncontent? I don't. It's not too late. Now, how does this, again, again apply to me? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple little things, and then we'll go. Um, you know, even though my daughter was saying these things, and that... Daddy's greedy and selfish. Um, I, uh, um, is it okay to be like really vulnerable and like get really real and tell you thoughts that I've had, even about you and the church? Okay. Um, for um, man, um, for weeks. We uh, talked about pastor appreciation and loving Pastor Eric and Pastor Tom. And for weeks, I griped. Now, I didn't get any emails, so that I don't, I don't want you thinking I lied to you. That was true. 
But I, I didn't get any emails about giving the pastor appreciation, so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm just going to ignore it. And then twice in one day, I ran into two people who was like, do you know anything about pastor appreciation? Do you know what we're doing and when? And I'm like, all right, God, whatever. So I, I, you know, get the email, find out if we can still give. And I still did not give to the very last minute. The check was probably already wrote because I was selfish. Um, because the thoughts in Mike Brown's mind were, what about me? I do stuff for the church. I pastor people. What about me? When's it my turn? When do I get? And then you hear all the other voices. Well, you're just not important and all this other stuff. And you get deeply convicted. Because God started to change my heart. And I had to go in our weekly meeting and sit and apologize to these two men for how I thought. Now see, it's not just the thought that gets you. It's sitting there acting out all the other conversations and thoughts that you want to have with other people. Because the word says, so as it is in your heart. It's just as if you did it. So I have to sit in there and tell Eric and Tom that I'm standing up here saying and thinking, what about me? When's it my turn? So I had to do that. And that's part of getting over selfishness. We're going to get into that a little bit more the next time. Is all right. Not only how do I identify it, how do I start to attack it in my life? See, here's the other thing that, that happened a couple weeks ago as well. So Rob, don't get mad at me and don't think I don't love you, because I do. Very much. But me and Ashley are driving down the road on a Monday. And she's, of course, I can't drive and text. You know, I can't do two things at one time anyway. I could if I was flying by the seat of my pants, but, you know. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're driving, and, and she gets this text from Rob. She's like, well, you guys want to go eat somewhere? And they're like, you need to come eat in Knoxville. And, and so the thought in my head, I start getting selfish. I'm like, well, it's getting kind of late. I, actually, I think, let's just drive on in, and let's... You know, let's just eat something ourselves, and you know, I'm tired. And she keeps going, but you know, we're and Rob's like, if we don't do it tonight, then we can't do it any place else. You know, any other time because it just won't work for their time. He's like, well, where are you guys at? And we were like smack dab, like right where we were at, like 30 minutes away from them, or 30 minutes away from our motel. I'm like, really, God, come on. And traffic's not, I mean, it's not moving real fast, but I mean, I know that there's, I can turn and get off here and go, but I'm fighting, not a spirit, okay? I've been delivered, okay? I'm set free. It's not a spirit coming into my car, making me be selfish, but it's my flesh. My flesh is getting to me. I want, I need. And I'm like, Man, I love Rob, but I just, I just don't want to go, I don't think. That's, and she's like, are you sure? I'll let you make the decision. And like, it, it's almost like we were moving in slow motion. I mean, I'm thinking, well, we're probably like 20 minutes away now. I'm 50 from him or something. And it's like, no, like 29 and 28, you know, something silly. So I'm like, shoot, I know. Let's just, yeah. Because my thought was this. Rob would come see me because he cares about other people's needs and wants. And that guy poured his life into me. How dare I be selfish with my time 
especially when I have nothing else I really need to do. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm still being selfish. And so we turn the car around and we go and we have a great time with them, great laughs, enjoy a great meal. And it was good because that's what friends do. That's a relationship. It is two-way. I love spending time with him. And I know he loves spending time with me. I cannot be selfish. And we live in a time, you guys see it, everything is bad. And it's going to get worse. You cannot afford to be selfish. You cannot afford to be selfish. Say that. I cannot afford to be selfish. I cannot afford to be selfish. I cannot afford to be selfish. We're going to close in prayer unless you have anything else to say. Is that my wife? Oh, no, it isn't. I should have turned my phone off. That was selfish. (laughs) But anyway, here's your homework. While you've been in here, you have felt the Lord show you, talk to you, tell you, Areas where you are selfish. Your homework is to write it down. Continue to let the Lord highlight it to you. And then come back next week. Talk to Eric. Talk to me. Call me. Send me an email. How is this working out right now in your life? I'm sitting here and God highlights that I'm selfish with my kids or my clothes or my money or my time or Whatever it is, God's highlight. Shoes, did you say shoes? Oh, time. Yeah, a lot of it's time. And we all, okay, the ungodly belief, the lie that we believe is that we don't have enough time or we don't have enough money or nobody cares. All right, those three ungodly beliefs because everyone in here cares. Even though you you have something. I know we all say times, man, we're broke. But all of us go get drinks at the gas station and candy bars or other stuff, whatever it may be. You find time and you find money. So let God highlight what needs to change where you're being selfish. Come back next week and we'll start to jump into how can I get over this? What does the word say to do? And what are some practical applications? Are we good? All right. Father God, we just thank you that you are an amazing God. You're an amazing daddy. And you are unselfish. You are not a Scrooge. You are not a Scrooge, Lord. And you are a good, good father, daddy. So I ask you, I declare over this group of people and whoever may be listening on the podcast that you would highlight areas where we are being selfish, that you will help us admit it. You will put us in contact with people that can help us get over ourselves and moving in the right direction. Lord, that we would start to become content. Lord, that we would realize and know the spiritual part of the battle and then the fleshly natural part of the battle that we need to fight. And Lord, continue to let us live a life of sacrifice that we would serve sacrificially, that we would give unconditionally as you have given to us and that we would represent you well, not just today and tomorrow, but through this week and the holiday season, Lord, but from here on out into for the rest of our life. Lord, I even ask today that those who go out to eat, Lord, I ask you to highlight the waitress. Lord, the one that is serving, 
probably because she's a single mom or whatever the case may be. Lord, that you would give us extra grace to show our waiter and waitress the extra grace. And Lord, that you would even help us to give a little more than what we would. Whether or not they give us good service or not. Because Lord, as a good, good father, you do give to us sometimes just because you're a good dad. We love you. Just speak blessings over these people, blessings over our day, and amen. I'm sure if you need prayer for something, the altar team, are they going to be up here, Alger? Altar team will be up here. Uh, If you have something you want to say to me, come up, give me a hug, say it to me. Be blessed.